0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing Grace. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, I live in southern Ontario, and apparently today's supposed to be a big snow day. So this is going to be really fun to see if the snowstorm actually hits. They've been wrong a lot this year, so we'll see. Anyway, we're here for some good news. If you did not watch last week's episode, you need to go back and watch last week's episode. Um, this is part two of a topic called debunking divine command theory. Uh, let's see if I can summarize this well enough. I think we'd summarize it again in the discussion. But what's with this idea that if if we do something bad like genocide war, murder, killing, rape, all that stuff, and it's evil. But if God commands it, now it's okay. What's with that? And we have that um, concept throughout the Old Testament in different places. So the idea, the misinterpretation is that God really approved it or not. And I think there's much more to learn about this. I think this dives down into our concept of who we think God is, and even better and more importantly, and I mentioned this to the guys uh, after our recording of this, that one of the foundations that's giving us a hard time with understanding the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New, however you want to word it, is this word that has gotten in to our theological vocabulary that shouldn't be there and shouldn't have entered. Um, And anybody that doesn't like what I'm about to say, you're really going to be ticked off today, so you might as well turn it off now. Um, But I've processed this for a long time. This word is inerrancy, to believe that the scriptures are entirely, exactly accurate as God transcribed them. Um, And it's just that we don't understand it properly. So, yeah. Yeah. You're going to enjoy this conversation, and uh, we're going to be meeting again this week to record some more. And I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully we'll get into that uh, inerrancy foundation because I think that's one of the problems that people have quietly snuck or stuck into the into the background of their thinking. They don't realize that um, um, that's that's a lens they're using, that's a filter they're using. So who knows? We'll see. All right, that's all we got. So let's get into our conversation. Um, I think you're going to enjoy part two of this wonderful interview. Here we go. All right, if you were with us last week, we began uh, a topic called debunking divine command theory, which I'd never heard of. So hopefully Richard will remind us what the topic was. Um, But some of this had to do with, um, um, we have this default understanding in our minds without knowing it that all the bad stuff that we have read in the old Testament. And we, the biggest um, questions people tend to ask is what about that God of the old Testament, the angry God that that's the number one of the top, top questions of people wondering who is this God we're talking about and how can you justify all that? And I think this is what this topic is doing. It's kind of calling that out saying, wait a minute, that is not the God of the old Testament. That's a misrepresentation of it. And so do you want to kind of restart the the defining what this is again, Richard, and then we'll jump into Bill getting to his topic?
1: Well, I, I think, you, you know, even if you go back to the Greek gods and the Roman gods, everyone can see it in their case. They just don't see it in Christianity, <laughs> that, that, that their enemies become God's enemies. And because Apollo or Zeus or whatever, working through some human who is getting paid money, you know, on the side to give a prophecy – then prophesize that God's—they want these people destroyed. They bless your efforts to to do that, and of course, that's aren't, all-
0: aren't there aren't there literal stories in the Old Testament about that?
1: Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And but it, with the idea being that because God commands it, it's His seal of approval, and uh-huh. it's no longer we operate down here on good and evil. But when God does it, His good and evil is is all good. All right, so He gets a pass which is why he can tell us to, in the Christian sense, he can tell us to forgive seven times 70, but not him, boy, not him. He's holding everyone accountable. He's holding everyone accountable and vengeance is his, you know, all, all this kind of stuff that, that gets projected. You know, I had a dream one time and i will probably shared this before, but I had a dream one time where I saw God in samurai armor. And as I got closer oh. to the samurai armor, I knew it, would, there was, it wasn't It was true. It was He wasn't true to form, so I started pulling off things at a time, and then it, underneath it was night armor, and then I pulled the night armor off, and there was other armor, and then finally it just ended up being like a muscular shepherd, but even that's armor, all right? Mm, the, yeah. And I, I feel like out of that dream I came r- to the realization that we all project wrong things onto God, and he wants us to have... Though, and those things become obstructions. He, he doesn't desert us. We, I could still hear God's love coming from behind all that armor for me. Mm. Okay, even though I was painting him in militaristic ways. But our imaginations are here to learn to peel off the things that we've wrongly attributed to him. And 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 people people use, that, like Bill said in the last session, people use this idea that because God commanded it in the Old Testament, or even. You know, I think the Old Testament's full of roadblocks. Okay, the New Testament's full has more speed bumps than roadblocks, mm-hmm. because Jesus is there. Jesus is there, and, and to kick the roadblock part of it. But there are still speed bumps that we have to deal with. But even so, I mean, I had a guy attack me the other day on Facebook about the hell thing, uh, saying, you know, it, he proved that he proved he exposed me as a false teacher and all this kind of stuff, um, and because he he gave me one verse out of revelation, I exposed that he, but yet he, he was ignoring 50 verses that talk about the Lord's goodness, you know, and how all will be reconciled and all will be saved. But it's, but but the whole thing is, we find a command that lets us keep our wrath. We're being honest, we find a command somewhere that God made at some point that lets us keep our wrath and tag on. All right, tag in like a wrestling match. All right, God commanded it, then tag in, Lord, I'll take it from here. You know, and we, we, and we don't, we don't, use our conscience and and the point of the what we had talked about the last time then uh bill can chime in with where he was because he was about to take us into some gold but the point where we where we leave is is that we have spirit quickened consciences and our consciences are to bear witness to verify whether this command is of god or not and we talked about the luke 9 passage where they wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans for not letting Jesus in. And what did Jesus tell them? You don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to destroy anybody. I came to save everybody. All right? So that's a. But they were trying to use a command that he gave Elijah in the Old Testament to call down fire to justify them calling down fire. And as Bill pointed out last time, that's what we do. Well, that happened in the Old Testament. They got there seven times 70. I want my vengeance. You know? So, but... When we realize and we accept that the real essence of the gospel is that Jesus, that God is light, and in Him is no dark, and that Jesus is the light of God, then then we'll be able to say, "No, that command. I don't care what it looks like. My conscience doesn't bear witness. The Jesus conscience in me doesn't bear witness that that was ever a command of God. And to the extent that they thought it was, they were wrong. But we're responsible for what we know and what we hear." And, and and that sort of thing. So anyway, the divine command, it's it's sort of a sneaky thing that's wedged into a lot of Calvinism. But to be honest, it's also wedged into our own thinking. I mean, it's always a half a step away that I can go find a Bible verse somewhere that I can hang a command on that makes me feel better <laughs> about hating. It makes somebody else feel like crap. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I think, I think we all do it almost subconsciously. And, and it, this is really a... You know, I know Richard's been on a health kick, Mike, you're, you're on that. I've been there my, my life. And, and, you know, there's. A, I had a
0: speed bump or rather <laughs> I created one.
2: Had a roadblock. <laughs> yeah, roadblock. And you, you know, this journey of faith is really about becoming healthy in our understandings and our, our
0: relationship with God. Right.
2: And, and, and it's not a perfect process. And, Which
0: will also affect our relationship with ourselves. Of
2: course. And everything. I think that's what I was talking about at the end of our, our last conversation. Um, interestingly enough, just yesterday, we had some really violent weather here in Atlanta. Some tornadoes went through and tore up some towns and, and, you know, California has been having tons of flooding recently. I mean, there, there's, there's all these things that happen And, 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 they happen every year. Last year we had hurricanes in Florida, right? And, and, and a lot of times we try to attribute these things to maybe God being, mad at someone or, or a country or a group of people and this is all tied together to the same concept right that, that god has this inherent control over over this creation and anything that happens is therefore good and justified because it happened and god's in control right so it's this kind of like weird kind of thing that that is that, that we do. We do societally. <clears throat> Excuse me. And actually, it's kind of funny that we had this topic um, come up just yesterday that, that at least Richard introduced us to because I was thinking about something similar earlier this week. And I'm actually going to go starting with my last thought, which is actually um, I found a progression in my thinking this morning. think, you know, to start to think about this topic. And we're all familiar with legalism. Obviously, Richard's a lawyer. Mike, you came from a German Baptist background. Uh, I came from great legalist, you know. (laughs) This idea, just in the simplest terms, if we define what legalism is or law-mindedness, and 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 the Jewish people were openly law-minded, right? They had the law of Moses, and this these 613 laws defined our righteousness before God. Um, But but in simple terms, at least these are my words. It's the idea that there is a clear and defined way without exception of display, displaying divine, I'm going to say love, but I'm putting love in quotation marks, applicable in all situations, right? Thou shalt not kill. Okay. We've put parameters around it. We've given it the, you know, boom.
0: Except for God, right? It,
2: well, exactly. <laughs> right. right. So sorry. <laughs> but we're creating a law and it, it becomes black and white and, Again, I'm going to use a kind of a, a crazy weird metaphor. My father passed away two months ago um, in, in a very, very uh, last stages of, of dementia that were, were really rough, right? And, and, you know, we allowed him to die, if I'm going to be honest, and, and to a certain degree. and In other words, he, he was stopped asking for food, and we did not take the interventionary steps to force him to eat and force him to drink, which probably would have kept his body alive a lot longer. So there's a part of me, if you want to be like real raw, that contributed to my father's death on a certain level. Because I didn't step in and I didn't force feed in food to allow him to lie. So legally speaking, I'm going back to my legalism, thou shalt not kill. Well, did I help allow the, I believe I acted in love (laughs) in that situation. I thought it was the most merciful thing for him to be able to pass into the arms of the father at the end of his natural life. And not, not not force the issue. But again, if we get into this depth of legalism, we start to wrestle with this idea of, well, where's that line drawn? And did you do this? And did you do this? And, and what happens is that becomes this second point I have, which is the collective God principle. I made the word of. My ideas, and this is my definitions. This is the idea where the, the majority of humans start to agree on something that we therefore have divinely got wind of it, and collectively our agreement, our agreement is what defines it as being godly mm. or good. We yeah. might want to call that mob thinker tribalism, right? Yeah, yeah. same thing. Because again. we all agree, well, we must be. I mean, we must be getting it right. God's God's behind us. We we never agree. We're Republicans and Democrats, and we now all of a sudden all hate the same country and should go to war with the country or whatever, right? Must be must be God-inspired, and so legalism leads to this collective God principle, and, and then that then leads to, and this is what I thought was so interesting this week with some of the natural disasters that's happening, and I heard someone talking about them like, we got to fix this. We, we got to do something about these natural disasters, that's a pretty bold statement as a human, <laughs> okay? Like, natural disasters and, and and the fragility of life and everything that's held together have been going on since the dawn of man. The, the dinosaurs were wiped out by a natural disaster, if we want to say it, and and to believe that we as humans have the ability to control and correct all problems in some sort of, here's my definition, a delusion of societal human omnipotence.
1: <clears> hmm. <throat>
2: that we have omnipotent power through that collective god principle back through legalism to curb all human suffering to curb all what anything we define as evil or bad or good from our limited vantage point. And I think this ultimately what this concludes with and something we're familiar with and we can kind of maybe tack in uh, tap into a little bit is that, that every time we do this It concludes with scapegoating and sacrifice. And these are the very things, ultimately, that Jesus came to set us free from, Hmm. right? And and not go back through the same cycle over and over. And and we're not unique as humans. We're not unique in our cultures. We may have more advanced technology and we may have different language we, we wrap around it. But at the end of the day, we're doing the same thing as those tribes with volcano gods, they thought were angry, and that they could throw a virgin in and appease them. Because collectively, we decided we could be omnipotent and help God decide that, you know, this problem needs to be resolved. And if we just do this one thing, just this way, and we all rally around it and put law behind it, we can we can correct this problem. And and it's amazing how simple it is for us to fall back into the exact same mechanics of religion or and politics follows the same, the same, you know, you know, process every single time. And, and, and interestingly enough, the beauty of the message of the gospel is our ability. And I think it is collective, but I think it's also individual where we get to be set free at least thinking that that is how God is. And that's what God
0: expects from us. Expectations.
1: Yeah. I think the, uh, you know, what we do, and we said it earlier, but it's worth reinforcing that because God commanded it once, we, we have a lapse of thinking that somehow means he's commanding it now. Mm-hmm. And we can challenge whether he ever commanded it once. And you know how we challenge it? You know how we challenge it then and how we challenge it now? We do the exact same thing. I put Jesus over it. Jesus. My conscience, My conscience puts the Jesus template over this situation. If Jesus were here, how would this go down? Would yep. Jesus before this stoning or against it? Would Jesus do this or that? And even beyond that, what is Jesus telling me now? Not not because I don't want to do the same thing. I don't want to do it because He once showed mercy that I'm now. He's commanding mercy here. I want to hear His mercy in the moment. And because yep. I, I've come to know His nature, He is nothing but mercy. All what's right? the
0: What's the difference between what you just said and what would Jesus do?
1: The difference between what I just said. And And what would
0: Jesus do? The mentality of what we have to figure out what Jesus would do. What's Can you kind of get, otherwise I'll I'll get my thought too, but I thought you're on a roll.
1: Yeah. Well, what would Jesus do is always the same answer. Jesus would hear the father now, (laughs) now that's what Jesus is doing. And always instead of,
0: instead of everybody trying to fantasize, what would Jesus do come up with the right answer for the right scenario? What would Jesus do if he was here? So it's all up to us to figure it out. That's where the, 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 what would Jesus do uh, concept falls flat, even though it's a good motive. Um, yes.
1: Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it, it because it's all about the, the devilish idea is to keep Jesus out of the moment. All mm-hmm. right. So we start debating about what he would have done and during his incarnation or what, you know what paul would have done we're here to find out what we will do what we will do now we have the same ability to hear the father that they have now, i don't have i wasn't born with that ability although maybe on level i was born with the capability but i wasn't born with the ability until jesus came jesus is the ability all right he is the transcendent face of god he is he is the the constant he is the witness bearer he bears witness you know, the the water, the spirit that so when we receive the Holy Spirit, what we're really doing is we're receiving the Spirit of Christ, which go back to the to the Luke passage, you don't know what spirit you're of. Mm. That certainly describes me, but for my first the 50 years, you know, that I, I didn't even know what spirit I was of. I could just as easily go up on a tangent of wrath about God, but only since probably and, and
0: attribute it to God.
1: Yes. And only, only now am I, am I just barely grasping what spirit I'm of, mm-hmm. all right? There's so much more to go here, but that's it's beautiful, and it's now. It's now. It's Jesus in the here and now. It's his dynamic differentiation within our consciences that he wants us to extend our conscience. He wants to speak through our conscience. Mm-hmm. He wants us to minister worthy things of, of his Father and of his goodness, and it, it, and all these things, the legalism, Bill, I, I, when, I, when you were saying that, I was just saying all that is like a history. Legalism that's is history. because that happened in history, because that was said, because that's yeah. written there. I don't have to think. I don't have to use my imagination. It, I don't have to use my conscience. I just, thought,
2: I've, I, I just fall in line with what's happened before.
1: Yes. And that, no that's no so, brain work. I know. And it's such an evil thing to see that. And, and There's and, no responsiveness and, involved.
2: Right? Yes. There's none. There's no. There's no. Okay. Eva- like you said, there's no conscious evaluation of the moment at hand. It's just. Okay. I'm. Pr- it's. A, listen. Legalism is computer programming. I was a programmer for a year, Mike. I think <laughs> you've done some. Pro- it's. You know, binary A says. So, you know, binary B says. Okay, result
1: C. Period. It's it's robotic. Mechanism. Well, well, and even if we're talking about if we're talking about now now no, you know. We're talking about other topics. Say we're talking about homosexuality. Say we're talking about anything. I mean, am I am I really just supposed to say because these ancients said it that way who had temple prostitute boys being, uh, you know, abused, you know, that we don't have that today, although we do have abused children for sure. But, I mean, do, do I just take that and no longer think about it? Do I no longer let my conscience interact with it? Do I no longer say, you know, if I see two people of the same sex who seem to generally love each other and are soulmates? Am I gonna sit there and say you are, uh, you know, you must not do that? I mean, I, I say it applies to everything. Sure yep. we should, sure we should. And we need to follow our consciences. If our consciousness doesn't give us a reading on something, you know, but if it does, it's always gonna be tempered with mercy. Always, always, always. So when somebody's using these commands, there's there's never any mercy or tenderness. You know, it's just it's just shrugging. Oh well. God said it, I'm going to do it. It's the word of God. No, no, you don't even know what the word of God is because the word of God wants to have you interact with with him now, with her now, you know, and, and, and express the goodness of the father into this situation in new and organic ways. And it's all that is, that's the church. <clears throat> that's the church.
0: Okay, question then. Um, what is the difference between conscience and reactions? Because you're talking about conscience but I'm immediately hearing people say, "Well, that's my conscience," and it's a reaction. It's not yeah, there, there, the same
2: is, thing. I think even using I, I, I don't know slightly different words, just because I, I like I like yep. doing that. I think conscious and reaction can work. And my my synonyms for those would be conscious would be responsiveness. And again, responsiveness is different than a reflex. Mm. Right. So you've been to the strange
0: reflex. Hmm? A train reflex reflex Mm -hmm. or or
2: instinctive reflex. We have all, we have all the above, you know, you, that little triangle hammer, they pop on your knee and your, your, your knee jerks, right? We create those in our brains with all sorts Mm -hmm. of wiring patterns, traumas, behaviors, fights or flights. We have humanist or animal animalistic instinct built into our bodies and our survival, all those kind of things that those are reactive. Right. And, And there's a reactivity or a a reflect, a reflexiveness that we all have. And and I think as we mature, as we grow from childhood through adolescence into adulthood, you know, we train ourselves. good example would be going to the bathroom. Something very, very simple, right? When you're a toddler, you just pee everywhere (laughs) at some point. You no longer use the reflex of being, you actually develop a responsiveness and a consciousness going, hey, I can control that, (laughs) right? (laughs) And all of a sudden, you learn to potty train and and hopefully, Lord willing, (laughs) for the the preponderance of your life after that, you, you control that aspect of nature, Right. We have the same ability to grow in other areas of our thinking and our emotions. And I'm not saying we just oppress everything. But just like Paul said, we start to take thoughts captive. We start to be responsive to the environment around it. We're not reactive or reflexive to the environment around us. And that's a sign of emotional maturity, sometimes physical maturity, and, and equally so spiritual maturity.
1: And, and, and I think to add an R, you, you say reflexive, you said something else, another R. Right There's there. reactive. Reactive. Responsive. Yeah. Yeah. Um. A, a third one might be resistance. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we need yeah. to resist what's going on, <coughs> you know, because the, the hive mind is working in a situation. So, so it's not like I'm not going to jump in and even react on the opposite. I'm not going to immediately say you're wrong. I'm not saying you're right. <coughs> I'm not entering into it. And that, that's what a lot of this thing, we don't have to force an opinion, you know, or, or for, we just need to listen to our conscience. And a lot of times my conscience tells me stay out of this, but don't partake of it.
2: Or wait. Yeah. Patience, fruit of the spirit. Oh, heaven, heaven help us that we evaluate how- something and don't come to a
0: conclusive result immediately. We're- how, can, how can we learn this? How, how can we develop the skill? Because I think it's a skill. It's a developed it, skill. It, it because... is a
2: skill, and and this is going to sound cheesy, but I think in a lot of ways it's walking with Jesus, and what I mean by that is getting to know Him, reading the gospel accounts, and developing a an understanding and what I believe is a relationship with the countenance of the person who walked. And here's the funny thing with Jesus, I and mean, I've I've written about this before, and in, in some regards, is if we only focus on the things that Jesus said. Hmm. You're going to miss the point. If you only focus on the things Jesus did, you're going to miss the point. You have to. Jesus is a a walking enigma on some levels, and it's 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 great because you're not going to simply get to know him by by just picking pieces out. you got to learn the whole story of his life. And that's why we have the scriptures, not only his life, the leadings up to his life and then the aftermath of his life. And all of these things begin to to show us a personality archetype of somebody who is transcendent, as Richard said, that that allows us and honestly starts to, as, as again, our friend Francois would say, show us a mirror reflection of who mm-hmm. we were created to ultimately be
1: oh absolutely and and when we see him it's like when i when i read certain gospel accounts i feel like the the jesus in me updates those accounts and he pulls <laughs> yeah. the story into my life yeah. and now i'm actually there i and, and so when even when i'm reading the old testament i will pr- i will use my imagination and to to um, which I believe that is spirit quickened. Now, if you're if you if you don't know what spirit you're of, you can be coming out of a spirit of fear and it'll take you down the nightmare path. But if you know what spirit you're of and you know that Jesus is light and light only, he will take us into these old testament passages and show us what he would do, what he would have done differently, where he was, what he wouldn't have done, what he might have done, what he would have affirmed. And even us meditating on that expands our horror, our horizons you know, to understand the divine nature. It's all about the divine nature. The gospel, oh, I'm so excited about this. The gospel is receiving recognition of the divine nature. And once we recognize it properly, then everything becomes alive, not just the Bible, but everything, every every conversation because we're not scared of God. We're in awe of him. He's not there to hurt us. He's there to bless us and help us. He's there to hug us and kiss us and, and protect us. And and and, and, and us- it,
2: there's so much more depth, to for lack of a better word, to God. God's not just this legalistic, good and That's evil entity who's judging everything. All of a sudden, God's had a sense of humor. God has emotions of, of of depth and sorrow, and also joy, and and he likes to party and create wine and 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 celebrate with sinners, and and also have these really hard conversations with people who don't get it yet, and all of a sudden we have this depth to God that is, is, you know, inexhaustible. That's Mm -hmm. the word I can use. It's inexhaustible to start to get to know, just like every, ironically, like every other human to some degree. Um, Except in, in Christ, we see the reflection of a God who is this no darkness, right? Who is this no fear that is only life, that even when death overwhelms him, he gets back up and that ultimately we get to start to share in that same hope and, 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 and walk in that same expectancy.
0: So the word, the word reaction, the reason I brought that up earlier is because we're conditioned in our religious worlds, in our religious legalism, that our reactions are the answers we've been given. And so we can say, well, that's my conscience. No, it is not. That's your mimicking what somebody else, you're parroting what somebody else said to you, but you don't know the difference yet, right? To me, that's a real big crux in trying to understand what we're talking about here, because somebody could be listening and love God, be raised in a church, and may have been exposed to the legalism you and I did in the past, but have not seen more yet. And this could sound like heresy
1: to them, but
0: Mm -hmm. there's more. Go ahead.
1: I think the key word is witness, bearing witness. That mm-hmm. is an underused term. And maybe, you know, maybe oh. Pentecostals have overused it one day, but I don't care. It is the term. There's no feeling like it when the, when the spirit bears witness, will you speak in peace into a situation, or will you not speak in peace, will you just have in peace and, 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 any, and emitting peace? You know, that, 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 is, that is the best feeling in the world. And people are, as you say, they're so conditioned to have this. And all those conditions that you talk about, they take us out of the moment. They, they take us entirely out of the moment and out of hearing the Father. You know, I'm amazed that Jesus said, I think it's in John 5. He said over and over again there that uh, everything I do, I do because I first hear the Father do it. I first see him do it. I first hear him speak it. So these commands that we're talking about here they keep us out of hearing. They they make they, they make us deaf. That's what you're talking about. The reaction, the react, our reaction. If we 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 need that. We need to develop a restraint, a discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, be like yeah. a diaper. You know, we 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 we, we have been, we, we're, we're <laughs> peeing all over the place with this stuff. You know, we need to stop that and, and, and not react. You know, they, they always talk in anger management about uh, anger management classes teach you to not react but to respond. Mm-hmm. and i've heard people. i go to domestic violence court all the time and that's all the guys say i've never heard anything like that you know it, it, i leave the room if i if i feel like i'm about to react i stop and i leave the room and i don't let myself react so it is it's a trigger but this this is a dangerous trigger but 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 when we actually believe that we have the witness of god in us now i'm done this is holy ground guys i mean this is holy ground right here that we have the witness of god in us you know i've asked people before who 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 were talking about doing violent things to people and God desert, you know, God coming down and smiting this person. I would, I would always ask them, did you hear Jesus tell you this in your spirit just now? Do you, what you just said, do you believe Jesus just told you that? And they they look at me like I'm from another planet, you know, because they're not going by what they believe Jesus has heard. They're going by this command that they've adopted in their, in their trigger mechanisms, you know, that causes, that roboticizes them. Like you said, Mm -hmm. I said earlier, and I mean, and I think that's it's like the Matrix. It's just to see the cultural conditioning, the religious conditioning, uh, you know, just just the familial conditioning that we have here. These are the things that rob us of life. You know, I'm in my age now, where I'm looking back and I'm saying my, my last thirty years have blown past me. You know, and and um, and a lot of it was was living out of rut. Was just living out of rut, conditioned thinking, conditioned responses. And I, in, and there were times when I have great memories of great times with the lord but uh you know a lot of i'm just being honest I, I've, I've come to repent over a lot of stuff o- over those decades that i, I it, and, and there's no condemnation in christ but i mean every day life everything we need for life and godliness is is here and now in the moment and to think that the god of creation lives inside of us to gently prompt and direct us to not condemn us but to to encourage us and to enliven us, you know that that God lives within, giving us ready counsel on these things. He is yeah. there. He is there to serve witness as to what what the true commands of God are. And if and if we don't if we don't have that witness, then either the command is wrong or it's being misunderstood.
2: Mm-hmm. I think so much of this lends itself, and maybe this is the the next conversation, Mike. I know you got to wrap up, but I'm um, writing
0: this down. So keep going. You
2: know culturally in, in what I would call evangelical Christianity, what's existed for a long time, there's really this line in the sand that you're you're, you're, you're unsaved and then you're saved. And it, it, there's a line, again, again back to that legalism. And Richard, what I was just hearing you saying, it, when, when we can get past the point that, hey, on this date that I said this prayer, I moved from not in God's club into God's club. And we can get rid of that kind of pattern of thinking altogether. Again, stop reacting to this is the moment where I changed in God's eyes.
0: Because you have so much can, power.
2: We can get to a point where I'm on a journey of restoration and of, of maturation and of, of growth with God mm-hmm. from start to finish. And that salvation isn't this line in the sand, but it is the entirety, if we want to call salvation the word, whatever, sanctification, any, any is the journey. And we don't necessarily now we, we again get get good and evil. There's the line, I was good and then or I was evil, then I'm good. No, no, that I'm being wooed into becoming you know an image bearer of Christ. I am an image bearer and I'm becoming one at the same time that starts to change everything now that respond there, there's no more there's no more reactionary line it's, uh, where and i can look at every other person and realize they're on the same journey even maybe they're reactionary still right i i can have compassion for them and i don't have to respond to them through a reflex i can respond to them through mercy and maybe that mercy is you're not mature enough for this conversation yet mm-hmm. And that's
1: uh, okay. Yeah, I, I tell you. And, yeah. and how
2: much does that change how we interact with the world around us, with one another, and start to understand the goodness of God? The goodness of God is is in all things, and now we can actually believe it and see it because if, there's no more this this one line defines what is and isn't of God, which is really what you're talking about when you talk about divine command theory.
1: Well, so so maybe the whole gospel then is just God is life. And no darkness. Mm-hmm. You just take that principle because any other principle and he's a
2: radi- he's a you know, he's radiating and eradicating shadows.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that that's it. Right. And, and anything else puts a dualistic image, that's a right. bipolar image in him. He's not this and that, he's only this. And we have to keep ourselves, that's one place of restraint, from going, but what about that? What about that? <laughs> All right, we don't we don't go there. He is light, and that's the leap of faith. So, so and that you know if if and and Jesus illuminates that 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 was the message that he came to preach that God is light in him is no darkness that's a lot easier than going through five points of calvinism and all this other stuff he's he's come to present us a god that is unified he's a seamless you know a seamless cloak of goodness but there's and, also
0: there's also a, 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 an illusion that god's angry with us right people believe that and so when I hear what is the gospel, I'm now gravitating to the light. But I've also the other verse that I love, and I think fits it in tandem with this, is that we are to declare the reconciliation having taken place. Yes. So there, there is now nothing separating us from God. The illusion in our mind. Um, I think you talked about uh, very beginning. Um, you're talking about something in our mind, the darkness in our mind. Ah, um, oh, what was that? Darn Daily Nation. Not so much the inclination, but um, alienation. the alienation is they're alienated in our minds. Like right. it literally says that in scripture, not alienated. It says right. alienated in your mind or your sin has an alienated you, which is very different than actual literal alienation, which is impossible. <laughs> that's
1: good. That's brilliant.
0: Well, it's Colossians. Colossians says nothing oh. can separate us. We're, uh, we're in union.
1: I think it actually says you're alienated in the spirits of your mind. I, I think the word Depends spirit, translation, but that, but that would, but that would go with what the Luke thing. You don't know yeah. what spirit up. Jesus yes. is jesus He's given us the key to unlock the whole thing there. And you say, what, how do we handle this now? It's to try to recognize the spirit we're operating of yeah. Now there'll be, you know, it might be challenged. There may be flesh and carnal strongholds in us that want to, you know, come up as an artificial spirit suggestion, you know, or as an old spirit type of thing, a dead spirit, the spirit of fear, but not the spirit of love and power and a sound mind. <laughs> that's the one that's in our conscience. And, um, so, so just to, to check ourselves always was what, always what spirit to check our eye, what spirit we're of just, you know, we don't have to react or even respond. We don't even have to respond unless, unless we're led to, you know, mm-hmm. but just checking our, checking our eye and making sure just, you know, maybe taking a deep breath and, and, and consulting Jesus. I always try to imagine now this is just my thing. I'm not putting this in anybody else. I always try to imagine Jesus, Oh, oh, with his arm on my shoulder behind me, and just whispering stuff to me,
0: like you a know, hockey coach on the on the shoulder, waiting for his players to go out,
1: or like a guy on trial, you know, the Senate committee oh. here, you know, that lawyers whispering in his ear. But I just, but I always try to imagine Jesus pointing things out to me over my shoulder, and that helps me, you know. And and I know that if I'm got road rage or something like that, I listen, <laughs> you know. But but anyway, just this this sense of bearing witness. I I think we. The, the ultimate thing is the divine command thing doesn't need any witness. It automatically thinks how you read the command or how you've been taught. The command is you don't it takes no more analysis. There's no more thought to it. There's no more application. You know, that that's not there. Where, so, whereas.
0: So maybe love is the answer to this, right? Like the voice that's speaking to you to do something or say something, is it in love? Is it loving? Um, if it isn't, it likely is not the voice of Jesus It's to me, it's a simplistic way to say it, but it also makes us define love, and we can we got to visit that another day because our time's up. Amen. Well, let's definitely maybe we'll carry on this conversation next time as well. This seems like a little bit of a loaded conversation <laughs> that can go in a number of directions. So, thank you for watching, everyone. Uh, let's see what happened next time. What what's going to happen next time? Won't know right now until next time. So, see ya. Oh man, I hope you enjoyed that. I love the comments. I've been reading the comments from everybody. Uh, Buddy, uh, Fisher of Men, uh, your comments there. And Kevin Patterson, um, Jim Willard, welcome back. Uh, Are you back in Ontario now? I I, I guess that's what you mean you made it or you're watching and you made it to the live program. Uh, Joy in Guelph, good morning. Uh, This is so cool to have you guys uh, commenting in. Well, uh, I think there's more to this topic. There's, there are so many layers that influence our thoughts and beliefs, uh, some that have been given to us by mankind um, that um, seem good and it unfortunately negatively shapes our theology. And I think we're going to keep reshaping our concept of who God is, how we see the scriptures uh, for the rest of our lives. There isn't an arrival and unfortunately um, those have been ministers for a long time we probably have the hardest time ever um, swallowing our pride and realizing wait there's more to learn there's more to know Um, we may have become comfortable in our in our theological cubby holes and cubby boxes in all the categories and there's more there's a better more hope-filled lens somewhere and if you already enjoy a, a good, hope-filled lens, that's great. There's still more to learn. Um, we just can't get complacent in, no, this is what it clearly says. I, I saw a picture yesterday of, uh, 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 I have to post it because it's so funny. Uh, it's, I think it says this is the only uh, Bible that's clear. And it's a glass Bible, which is really funny. Get it? I can, uh, Bible clearly says. Anyway, I thought it was hilarious. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I'm looking forward to the next conversation. Um, yeah, most preachers don't want to touch this, Buddy says, you're right. And I'm not most preachers, but I'm also not the uh, type of preacher that is uh, the big famous one who knows it all and has a big following and all that stuff. I am hungry to learn and collaborate with others and and have things corrected and pointed out gently. Um, and we do that with people that we trust. And let me encourage you to do that too, that, um, if you're going to be corrected, make sure it's by people you'd go to for, for advice uh not just from some troll on on the internet um i think it's really important and if you are a person who likes to correct others you maybe you can stop it because you're not the holy spirit and it's not your job to correct uh everyone's theology which unfortunately we sometimes do we get sucked in hook line and sinker sometimes the bait is really really good and we want to go crack somebody. So your tone of how you respond to people matters. I'm still figuring that one out. I I, I got some conflicts that I'm trying to work through. Um, I, I won't explain it all here, but to, to be loving like Christ in my conflict, it's really hard. Um, um, you may think, well, how's that possible? Well, there are some situations that are more legal-based um, that... Uh, it's really hard to have a good attitude um, without becoming angry. <coughs> now, being angry is not a sin, but to stay in anger and ponder, that's, that's where I'm learning to surrender. Maybe that's what I'm learning. That As I get triggered and flaws are pointed out in my own flesh, um, it's, it's causing me to go to Christ and say, Okay, how do I eat this one? How do I eat this crow? <laughs> it's interesting anyway i hope you guys have a great week i look forward to uh, uh the next episodes i think uh, richard and bill and i are going to meet on friday and record a couple more sessions and share them with you the following week so this is gonna be good until then you guys have a great week and we will catch you next time